Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sterling College Chapel Podcast. My name is Paul Brandis, and I have the deep honor and joy of serving at Sterling College as the chaplain. Uh, We're coming to you in a different format than we normally do on this podcast. Typically, it's a sermon that you get to hear, but our unprecedented time, the global battle with COVID-19 has made all of us adjust. And so we're adjusting too, and we still want to provide spiritually encouraging resources for you as much as we are able. So that's what we're aiming to do. And and I'm not here alone today. I'm here with my good friend, Caleb Barrows. Caleb, go ahead and say hi to everyone. Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, Caleb is a church planter here in central Kansas, uh, my best friend from seminary and someone that has graced the stage in uh, Culbertson Auditorium. Like that. That's right. A few times uh, a few times already. And uh, so you're familiar with Caleb, and I'm glad to have him here, here with us. I've already mentioned it, but what we want to do in the midst of this time is provide encouragement. And I'm convinced that encouragement is something that we all need all the time. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, one of my good friends uh, that I made at Sterling College, uh, Samuel Down, he left a message on my voicemail a couple weeks ago. It was very short and simple. And he said, hey, I I figured out that you could need some encouragement. You know how? Uh, Well, I figured I hadn't heard that you stopped breathing, which means that that you still need encouragement. And I I agree with Sam. Uh, Encouragement is something we, we need all the time, all of us, but it's uniquely needed in a time of fear and anxiety like this. And honestly, there's nothing that's quite as encouraging as a story of hope. Wouldn't you agree with that, Caleb? True. Yeah. 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 Stories are powerful. Our brains are actually, it's been proven, they're wired to engage with stories. And in particular, stories of hope have an outsized impact on our hearts and lives and souls. I believe that we are designed to be drawn in and strengthened by stories of hope. And that's really what we're hoping to bring to you today. Now, no doubt there are numerous stories of suffering and hardship that have been shared and and should be shared. This is a difficult time, and we would do wrong to ignore that uh, in the midst of COVID-19. But if you look hard enough, we believe that it's actually possible to find a bit of beauty in the brokenness. And Caleb, you recently came across a story like that, didn't you? Beauty in the midst of this broken time. Would you mind sharing that with us? Yeah. It is. It's interesting because I think for all of us, there's a ton of shifts and changes happening. We're trying to figure out like, where are we living? What are we doing? All the changes that have happened. And I think for me, it causes a lot of like self-focus. What's this going to mean for me? And oh, what's coming up in the future? And can just get lost in myself. But there was a really interesting story about a gal who kind of turned that around. And so for all of us, like, what do, what do we do in this time? It's hard to get our eyes off of ourselves. And like, where are you even at in that? Um, but this young high school junior uh, named Jessica Tansy, she had an idea and thinking really beyond herself and not getting, getting lost in that, that self-centeredness. Uh, she knew that nearly half of her school, she went to Lincoln uh, Park High School in Chicago, and nearly half of her school, 46.8%, is on uh, low-income uh, free and reduced lunches. Yeah. So it's this yeah. kind of moment when the coronavirus comes in and all of these students aren't going to the school anymore, mm-hmm, aren't getting mm-hmm. these free and reduced lunches. Yeah. A lot of them are really having trouble finding food. It's a yeah. real difficult challenge. So yeah. for her seeing that moment, she's like, how can I actually help my fellow students? And to be clear, like the Chicago public schools were already doing a yeah, ton. They, were. they put together, mm-hmm. I think, 28,000 meal packages, even in the first day of trying to provide meals. So so much was being done for these students. But yeah, at an institutional level, yeah, which exactly. is good, but there's individuals already. as well. But right. she knew that might not be might not be enough for some of her friends and people that she knew. 
but I love that even beyond that, her thinking about her own school, she was also mindful of local restaurants in the neighborhood where she lived, and she knew they're really struggling because no one's coming to the restaurant uh, restaurants anymore to eat out because everyone's trying to stay home. So yeah. they're also in the midst of a real financial battle. So she had this great idea, um, and she started a program called A Meal Today, A Meal Tomorrow. So what this is really simple is she's trying to get people to buy gift cards at these local restaurants, and then these local restaurants then donate a second gift card to Lincoln Park High School, which then distributes those to families in need. So larger restaurants, they can really match the gift card and give everything back to the school. And other smaller ones, they just give a percentage, but it's really helping these local restaurants by providing them funding, but also helping provide food to kids who are struggling. So she's helping on both sides of that with this program, A Meal Today, A Meal Tomorrow. So I love, like, she's just young. She's, like, yeah. a junior in high school. She's at home. I'd be, like, freaking out. I'm not hanging out with my friends. This got ruined. That's not happening. But for her mind, she got outside of herself and was really able to look at her community and her friends and think about how can I be of help and seize this moment, even though it's really difficult with coronavirus, how can I actually love those around me? So that's pretty impressive for me. Yeah, yeah, and I love that story too. Several things about it, and you've drawn out some of these uh, points, but it's unique innovation and entrepreneurship, and it meets more than one need. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know my mind, even four to six weeks ago when all of these things started, immediately went to the most vulnerable people among us. You know, yeah. I, I wasn't worried as much. I mean, we, we ought to be concerned for all people, but about those that had the money to go to Coachella, you know, Coachella was one of the first things that got canceled. I wasn't as concerned about those who had the money to buy the plane ticket and the hotels and the ticket to this expensive music festival. I was worried about the arena workers uh, that were not going to have a job now. So my mind immediately went to the most vulnerable and so did Jessica's Mm -hmm. mind and thinking about her friends uh, and classmates that are on these free and reduced lunches and, and then uh, local restaurants and businesses that are going yeah. to be uniquely vulnerable. You know, Amazon.com is probably going to boom in the midst of this, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of mom and pop shops and restaurants that are going to struggle. So she's bringing together different communities, different segments, and all of them have a have sort of a strike of vulnerability yeah. within them. Yeah. That I, I love that. Yeah. I also, um, I, I love that she's a high school junior. Yeah. Uh, you know, many I would yeah. imagine of the folks listening 16, to 17 years right old. are you know not too much older than Jessica, mm-hmm. and sometimes uh, adults like Caleb and I, you know. We can we can forget uh, just how impactful young people can be. Certainly, mm-hmm. I never want to do that. And so, mm-hmm. those of you that are listening, that are in Jessica's wheelhouse in terms of age, just know you have brilliant ideas that mm-hmm. we want we want you to That's bring really we want true. you to bring to the table. Um, I love also that it's collaborative. It gets multiple people involved. You know, I live my life by a few different maxims, a few different truths. And one of those is that I'm better together with other people. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm not built and I don't believe that you're built or were built to do life alone. And so I love the collaboration that is baked into yeah. to this idea from yeah, her. Yeah, she was getting city council people in on Right, this. yeah, multiple like, like clerks. All over the place, yeah. Yeah, like, the story that we, the story that like, we, yeah, the story we read talked about how when she was a middle schooler, she had to do a school project that got her involved with a Chicago city clerk yeah, and she reached yeah. back out. And uh-huh. so like existing 
networks and yeah, Yeah. leveraging relationships with people in power. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. a really cool story. And we actually don't know um, Jessica's uh, uh, faith convictions, whether or not she professes to be a Christian, but this is just a story of beauty in the midst of of brokenness. But it also, this story did remind me of other stories of Christians uh, stepping up in the midst of similarly difficult uh, times. And I know, Caleb, you and I have talked about the, the Christian's response to the plague in the third century. And that might be a little strange to go back almost yeah. 1700 years for another story, but remind us about that and, and maybe how that informs how uh, followers of Jesus might respond to COVID-19 today. Yeah. That's where it's such a gift that Christianity is, is kind of beautifully ancient. It's, yeah. it's been around That's for good. more I than like just that. a couple Beautif- of decades. Beautifully ancient. It's so old in a good way that this is not the first time that Christians have faced a pandemic. Yes. And actually, uh, this great book by a guy named Rodney Stark called The Rise of Christianity, and he argues that it was actually Christians' response to a pandemic in the early years of Christianity that really led to a lot of its its growth. So there was a devastating plague uh, that happened in the middle of the third century. So think back in your history classes, like the Roman emperors, all that time, right? So middle of the third century, the Jesus movement, Christianity is, is still young and it's still spreading. And this plague was really devastating. Uh, they thought about 5,000 people people a day were dying in Rome. 5,000 people which, a day. Which this is a time where the population, the global population is way smaller. Yeah, way smaller. Too. Way smaller. Yeah. I think, yeah, Rome was clearly the largest yes. city in the yes. world at that time, but so many people were dying and, and this was killing Christians and non-Christians. It's yes. not like there's some magic charm that Christians had that kept them from dying. Everyone was really losing loved ones from this, but it was interesting. There was a difference in the response of Christians. And so one eyewitness, uh, a bishop named Dionysius of Alexandria, he said that a lot of non-Christians were this is sad, but they were abandoning their loved ones. Mm. I mean, you're just seeing this disease spread so quickly that if someone you really love, they're near death, you just have to leave them on the side of the road and abandon them. A lot of uh, dead bodies were just left outside and treated like dirt because it's just this panic, you know, just trying to stay away from the sickness. And so you have to take care of yourself. So a lot of non-Christians were having to abandon loved ones, but uh, Christians were operating in a different way. And Dionysius, he said this, uh, most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, not never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of the danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ. And with them departed this life serenely happy. And get this, for they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pain. So even wow. in seeing other wow. people's family members who are abandoned, Christians would take them in and take care of them and even catch the, the disease and die from it. But for them, it wasn't a loss because they knew the hope that they had in Jesus, which was giving them the courage to engage people. When everyone else was full of fear, they didn't have that fear because they knew there's so much more than this life. So it really gave them a reason, a really good reason to step out and actually engage other people. So there's this different response from Christians. I love this too. That's not like just Christians were saying this. Okay, that's a nice story, but maybe it's just Christians who are saying this. Really interesting is that 
Later, there was a pagan emperor named Julian, and he actually really noticed this, that Christians' response to the plague that had happened and other things was so different that it was causing many people in the Roman Empire to convert to Christianity. So being a pagan non-Christian leader, he tried to start these pagan charities to challenge the kindness of Christians because he was frustrated by how many people were were jumping ship of paganism and and joining the Jesus movement. So he's saying all these stinking Galileans, what's his name for Christians, are being so kind and loving to their neighbors that people are joining them. We need to do the same thing that these Christians are doing. So it wasn't just that Christians were recognizing this. This was a really well-known fact in the ancient world and even pushed back by people like Emperor Julian. So really fascinating time. And I think, again, throughout history, we as Christians should have such a good reason because of our hope in Jesus to live differently. And that should be obvious in, in, in how people view our lives. Yeah, and how might those stories, those realities, from history, how might that inform the moment that we're living in now and how followers of Jesus might respond? Yeah, I think it's different. And and one, because, you know, we have a healthcare system today. So maybe we're not needing to go out on the street and rescue people. Um, yeah, we're not we're not way. saying you yeah. should get close to those no. who have COVID nineteen um, confirmed cases. Yeah, exactly. yeah. But in but, fact, our response of love might actually be to practice social distancing. Exactly. It might be yeah. actually very true, and I think that's just loving your neighbor well. Yes. Right. So a lot of people, I think, we can look at our lives and say, "Oh man, this event's not going to happen in my life. I don't get to go here. I don't get to see this person." And our selfishness can kick in and saying, "I really wanted this," but we should have again a deeper reason to say, "I'm willing to give up these things." and protect my neighbor, even if I'm not worried about myself. I I might be around someone that has a, an elderly parent they're taking around or someone who is immunocompromised that they're around as well. So I need to be very careful with what I do with myself and what I touch and what I pass on to other people. That's just loving your neighbor well. So Christians should be doing this better than anyone because we have such a good reason to do that. So being mindful of, of ourselves and not reacting in selfishness and frustration at some of these safeguards that, that are being put in place, but celebrating them. I think another thing that also should look different in Christians is even in the financial crisis and the changes that are Mm. happening, our life is not based on this world and what's happening here. Mm. So we always have a deep resource of joy. So when you interact with people who love Jesus, you should sense a peace in them. You should sense a joy in them that causes a curiosity and questioning. Like, man, what's going on in your heart? Because you don't seem shaken up by this COVID-19. Not that you don't care about the other people around you. That's that's not true. We really want to love them and take care of them. But your world's not thrown upside down. You still have joy in the midst of this moment. Uh, That should be evident in us as well right now. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. An unshakable joy and a peace that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, You know, this is not a time where there's a lot of peace. And that's why I love Paul and Philippians talks about the peace that surpasses understanding that's available um, in the way of Jesus. And that doesn't mean there's not hard moments or man, certainly I've been stressed and anxious the last few days, but those moments when I'm in that space rather than in a space of unexplainable peace are because I'm stepping away some, some degree, some measure from the way of Jesus. And I really like that, um, tie in and maybe we could flesh out more in in a future conversation about the economic response of Christians, both in terms of, um, 
yeah, both in terms of uh, continuing to be generous with our money, yeah. even when we might have less of it, but yeah. but then also just not freaking out yeah. um, at the same level. Well, I think no doubt everyone right now is probably going to be getting more emails and just you know uh, updates from different nonprofits and organizations that are looking for donations right now because they're all really struggling, right? Mm. Everyone's really struggling financially right now because there's so much of a pullback. So for us, when we get those, what's our response? Yeah. Like, man, I'm going to hunker down because I don't know what my bank account's going to look like in three months from now. Or do we continue to be generous yes. even though it feels costly to us? Like, no, I'm going to give right now. In the midst of this, when I know I might get laid off or I don't know what's going to happen in a couple months, I'm still going to be giving into mm. other people. Yeah. No, I love that. Well, shifting gears just slightly to another place where we can find encouragement. I wonder, Caleb, can I just ask you, what have you been reading in the Bible? What what has your prayer life looked like? How might you encourage us yeah. uh, in those ways? Mm-hmm. Right now, I have been reading in the Psalms mm-hmm. and going through the Psalms, praying and writing those out, which has been really helpful to me. It just Wait, writing those out. Yeah, what do you writing those talk, out. There's, tell there's, a little bit more about that. There's these little books called Journable that um, the seventeen eighteen project. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There we go. It's true, and uh, it's that's based on uh, uh, Deuteronomy yeah. seventeen eighteen, where the king was supposed to write out the law. And so mm-hmm. there's something helpful for us to slow down. If you're like me, you can just get in a rhythm. You're like, man, I gotta knock out some scripture real quick. Get on with my day. I want to get into my work. But to force us to slow down and actually write out the words and consider more deeply what we're reading. So we've been doing that in the Psalms, which has been really helpful. And just seeing how much the psalmist rejoices in God, how kind God is to us, um, yeah, how much joy there is in him when we really just slow ourselves down and, and be in his presence. Also been reading in Genesis. And again, in reading scripture, large chunks, small chunks, small chunks, quickly or slowly, really paying attention to the story and who God is is mm-hmm. really helpful for us. But in Genesis was just noticing like grace, just God's grace mm-hmm. in these big stories, like how kind God is to Abraham. How kind God is to Jacob. They all flourish so much in life, and they've done nothing to deserve it. Yes. They've actually kind of been tools in the midst of things. Like they're jerks. They deceive people, but God's just really kind because that's who he is. So it's been encouraging me in my own life. How do I try to manipulate God to get favor when that's just going to make my heart exhausted? But really just recognizing he's already kind mm. and loving, um, and I can come to him. He's a good father. Um, so that's been really helpful for me yeah. in reading. Um, and in prayer life, yeah, too. Yeah, in prayer, specifically in praying for other people, kind of what we were mentioning before about how our response should be different because of Jesus. Been praying for people to really sense that peace, but also to uniquely enjoy God in this moment. I think there's something about this coronavirus, COVID-19, that's making all of us slow down and yes. shut down our lives. Yes. That, I get, is really difficult, but it's also a backwards gift to us right now because it's making us slow down and stop all our old rhythms and it's giving us so much space and time, if we'll take it, to really be in God's presence and to seek His face. And so really praying that other people, and myself included, would really take advantage of this moment in the way to say, God, you know, all my plans just got thrown out the window. So let's just take this as another moment to make you my priority and actually seek you in prayer so that people would be hungry and have a joy in him is what I've been praying for people. And actually that makes me think about that story we talked about earlier with Dionysius yeah. and the plague. He said, uh, other people would not think this a time for festival, but far from being a time of distress, it is a time of unimaginable joy, mm. which seems like an incredible 
incredibly insensitive thing to say yeah. because of all the loss and death that's happening, which is, it, it is incredibly difficult time, but it's particularly in these moments that I think we see God's grace show up to us and that we have this moment to love sacrificially and see God's face in new ways that can be an open door for joy in ways we've not experienced it before. So I'm just, I'm praying for that. Praying for that. Yeah, I like that language of backwards gift. Mm -hmm. Um, And it does feel, I hesitate in any sense to use the word gift um, because there is so much suffering and death that is happening. And even then at a lower level than that, I don't mean to demean this, but there's the loss of, of really hard and things that were going to be good, like our girls' yes. basketball team. Yes. Their, yeah. their tournament got yep. canceled when they were preparing yeah. to go Doing onto the floor, you know, in a few a few hours and things like that. Yeah. So it feels very hard to say this is a gift in any way or to use uh, Dionysius's words of festival, but... Um, a backwards gift, a backwards festival, an opportunity to say, God, where are you even still in the midst of this? I think that's very worthy of our prayers. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe finally, uh, one of the beauties, Caleb, and you know this, of our Sterling College student community is its wonderful diversity in a whole lot of different ways, but including spiritually. Uh, Mm -hmm. Not every one of our students is a follower of Jesus. And I love that we have students uh, with different faith expressions that have still selected themselves to be part of our community. We've given some encouragement even around what to pray for and reading your Bible to our Christian students. But what would what would your word be to uh, those students among us that are not followers of Jesus? Yeah. Again, I think that these uh, these moments is not going to be the only time in our lives where things get interrupted mm. or that hard things happen. And the reason it's a backward gift is because it makes us reconsider, makes us slow down. So even for you, if you're not a Christian, don't believe in Jesus this can be a moment for you to pause and just w- wrestle with what am I really investing in? What do I believe yeah. in? What do I believe in? Yes. Yeah. Like what, what, what guides my life? Exactly. Yeah. And what's my treasure? What am I living for? And if there's a lot of frustration in you and anger in you because of what's happened with coronavirus, what is it that's been taken from you that felt like couldn't be compromised in your life? Or that if you're having a lot of fear and anxiety, what is it at the core that you're really afraid of losing? Um, and just question that, look at that hardly and say, okay, this, this obviously is one of the main things in my life and I'm freaking out that this might be taken from me, whether it's a loved one or your own life or ambition or college friends, I don't know what. Um, but having that slow down and say, is this really what I want my life to be oriented around if it's so fragile and can be lost so easily? And is there something deeper, <laughs> more concrete that I can build my life on? And I think that's where we, we keep bringing up Jesus because it's the most satisfying. Jesus is the most satisfying for our life, um, but also the most solid. And nothing can take that from us. I've got a treasure that you can't take from me no matter what. Mm. And uh, so I think just considering that in your own life, what is my life built on? What Am I feeling anxiety and fear and why? So really digging in and asking those hard questions and not running from it, not trying to numb yourself with entertainment or just kind of turn the blinders on, but really stare at your heart in this kind of moment and consider it. That's where it can be a gift to you. Yeah. Well, and I think too, for all of our students or anyone within our community, uh, follower of Jesus or not, uh, please be encouraged to reach out to me. Um, I would love, love, love to talk more, hear more, listen more, pray, pray for you. I know it's been a joy to have uh, non-Christian students in my office that have still allowed me to pray for them. Um, that doesn't change even in the midst of this new time. So, uh, even on that note about prayer, Caleb, would you close us in prayer? Yeah, absolutely. 
uh, Lord, even though we can often be really confused by what's happening in our world, and we have tons of questions, even about your kindness and your goodness, I so love that you don't forbid us from coming to you and asking those questions. Uh, that's what relationship is. You say, come to me, all you are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And so, Father, for students, for faculty, for the leadership of Sterling College, uh, Lord, you'd remind their hearts to really turn to you and find the rest and the peace and the hope that they're needing in the midst of this time, um, and that we would get our eyes off ourselves and see that you've already shown that you are loving and faithful and reliable and how you've come in the person of Jesus to rescue us. Yeah, so remind us of these deep truths, Jesus, in a way that's fresh and eye-opening. Yes, we love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for listening. Um, continue to tune, tune in to this podcast feed. We'll have several more episodes uh, coming to you throughout the course of uh, the semester. We love you guys, and we'll talk to you soon.